Dr. Mora Isles paused outside the doors of Our Lady of Divine Light, uncertain whether she should enter. The parishioners had already filed in, and she stood alone as snow whispered down onto her uncovered head. If she was going to join them, this was the time to step inside. She hesitated, because she did not truly belong among the believers inside that church. But the music called to her, as did the promise of warmth and the solace of familiar rituals. Out here on the dark street, she stood alone, alone on Christmas Eve. She walked up the steps into the building. Even at this late hour, the pews were filled with families and sleepy children who'd been roused from their beds for midnight mass. As the strains of Adeste Fidelis faded, Mora slipped into the first empty seat she could find near the back. Almost immediately, she had to rise to her feet again to stand with the rest of the congregation as the entrance song began. Father Daniel Brophy approached the altar and made the sign of the cross. The grace and peace of God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ be with you, he said. And also with you, Mara murmured along with the congregation. Although Daniel was unaware of her presence, Mara was focused only on him, on the dark hair, the graceful gestures, the rich baritone voice. Tonight she could watch him without shame. Tonight it was safe to stare. Daniel began to read, and the angel said unto them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people, and this shall be a sign unto you. Ye shall find the babe wrapped in. He paused, his gaze suddenly catching on Mara. He cleared his throat, looked down at his notes, and continued reading. Although he now knew she was seated among his flock, his gaze did not again meet hers. Not during the singing of Cantate Domino and Dies Sanctificatus. Not during the offertory or the liturgy of the Eucharist. As others around her rose to their feet and filed forward to receive communion, Mara remained in her seat. If you did not believe, it was hypocrisy to partake of the host, to sip the wine. Yet she remained through the concluding rites, through the blessing and the dismissal. The mass now ended, people began to file out of the church. Mora was just stepping into the aisle when she glimpsed Daniel trying to catch her attention, imploring her, silently, not to leave. She sat back down, conscious of the curious gazes of people as they filed past her pew. She did not return their looks. As the church emptied, she stared straight ahead, stoically focused on the altar. Hello, Mora. She looked up and met Daniel's gaze. The church was not yet empty, yet at that moment Daniel's attention was so centered on Mora, she might be the only other person in the room. He slid onto the bench beside her. I'm surprised to see you here. It's Christmas Eve, after all. But you don't believe. I wanted to hear some music, be around other people. Don't tell me you're all alone tonight. She gave a shrug, a laugh. You know me, Daniel. I'm not exactly a party animal. I just thought, I mean, I assumed. What? That you'd be with someone, especially tonight. They both fell silent as the organist came walking up the aisle, carrying her tote bag of music. Good night, Father Brophy. Good night, Mrs. Easton. Thank you for the lovely performance. It was a pleasure. 
The organist continued toward the exit. They heard the door swing shut, and they were finally alone. So why has it been so long? He asked. Well, you know the death business, it never lets up. So, how have you been? She asked. You know about Father Roy's stroke last month? I've stepped in as police chaplain. Detective Rizzoli told me. I was at that Dorchester crime scene a few weeks ago. I saw you there. I didn't see you. You should have said hello. Well, you were busy, he smiled. You can look so fierce, Maura. Did you know that? She gave a laugh. Maybe that's my problem. Problem? I scare men away. You haven't scared me. How could I, she thought. Your heart isn't available for breaking. Deliberately, she glanced at her watch and rose to her feet. It's so late, and I've already taken up too much of your time. It's not as if I have any pressing business, he said as he walked with her toward the exit. You'll notice I have nowhere else to go tonight either. Good night, Daniel, she said, turning toward the door. Will it be another four months until I see you again? He called after her. I've missed our talks, Mora. She hesitated, her hand poised to push open the door. I've missed them too. Maybe that's why we shouldn't have them anymore. Her cell phone was ringing. She fished it out of her purse. At this hour, a ringing phone could not mean anything good. Dr. Isles, she said. Merry Christmas, said Detective Jane Rizzoli. I'm kind of surprised you're not at home right now. I tried calling there first. I came to midnight mass, said Mora, in a tone of voice that cut off any more queries. What have you got for me? Address is 210 Prescott Street, East Boston, a private residence. Frost and I got here about a half hour ago. Details? We're looking at one Vic, a young woman. Homicide? Oh, yeah. Mora disconnected and found Daniel still watching her. You have to go to work? I'm covering tonight. She slipped the phone back into her purse. She buttoned up her coat and walked out into the night. He followed her and stood watching from the steps, his white vestments flapping in the wind. Glancing back, she saw him raise his hand in a goodbye wave. He was still waving as she drove away.